Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today's guest is Lisa Curtis. She's the founder and CEO of Cooley Cooley Foods, the leading brand pioneering the sustainable superfood, Moringa. Lisa began working on Cooley Cooley while serving in the Peace Corps and has grown it into a multi-million dollar social enterprise. Previously, Lisa uh, wrote political briefings for President Obama in the White House, served as a United Nations youth advisor, and worked at an impact investment firm. She has been recognized in the Forbes 30 Under 30 list and Inc. Magazine's Top 100 Female Founders list. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Well, you have just, your background just kind of spans the board, um, across the board. So tell me a little bit about how you got to today and tell us a little bit about Moringa because I'm sure no one's ever heard of it. I know I haven't, and it sounds really fascinating. Yeah. So I hadn't heard of Moringa at all, um, up until about 10 years ago when I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Niger, West Africa, and was uh, feeling like I wasn't getting the right nutrients in my diet. So asked some of the women in my village where I was working, what can I eat that will make me feel better? And they pulled these leaves off a tree and mixed them into a local snack called Cooley Cooley and said, eat this Cooley Cooley Moringa. It'll it'll make you feel so much better. And I had never heard of it, never thought to eat tree leaves, but long story short, it really had a profound impact on me. And so I you know, was like, wow, this is so good for my health. What can I do to get more Moringa grown locally in the village I was working in and, you know, help more people benefit from it. And what they really wanted for me was a way to sell it in the U.S. So that was the promise I made 10 years ago, not really knowing what I was signing up for. And um, now Cooley Cooley sells products made with Moringa and other sustainable superfoods in about 11,000 stores across the U.S. So everywhere from Whole Foods to Walmart um, and yeah, Moringa is this amazing tree. It's the leaves of a tree, more more nutritious than kale. It tastes kind of like matcha. It's got really great medicinal uses, kind of like turmeric. Um, so it's a, a really incredible super green. That's fascinating. So tell me a little bit. So you're selling it for them, right? Or uh, you know, yeah. um, did they did they sell or trade it beforehand, either between villages or outside of the country at all? Yeah, so we now work in seven different countries. So we're working in a few different places, mostly on the African continent and a bit in South America and India as well. Um, in all of the places where we're sourcing Moringa, there is a local market. Um, it depends a bit by country how how much demand there is for Moringa locally. Um, some places there's not much. Um, in India, for example, it's used a lot in Ayurvedic medicine. So it's actually the the drumstick of the tree are used a ton, but the leaves are thrown away. So we upcycle those leaves and use those. Um, and we, you know, for all of our suppliers, we are kind of their only access to the U.S. market. None of them had ever exported before. So um, it's a it's a cool win-win partnership. And, and you said it was something you hadn't done before. Um, what did you do to kind of 
learn about the industry and kind of up-level yourself to, to get to where it is today? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes it's best to not know what you're getting into. If you knew all of the pitfalls along the way, I, at least for me, I probably wouldn't have started a food company if I'd known how hard it was going to be. Um, but I found that, you know, I, I ask for help a lot. I just kind of find people who are doing what I want to be doing and say, you know, can I take you out to a coffee? Can I have a 30 minute phone call? Can I send you some products, get your thoughts? Um, and I've kind of just from the beginning recruited a pretty amazing network of advisors just through asking for advice, checking in, you know, letting them know if I've used their advice, how it went, uh, stuff like that has worked pretty well for me. Um, and, you know, over the years have developed a, a pretty great network in the food industry just by showing up at events and, and talking to people and constantly, you know, spreading the wonders of Moringa. That's great. So tell me, so so you, um, looking at your background, you were doing political briefings for Obama and you were working in an investment firm, completely different for what you're doing today. Um, how did, what, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they have a stream like, I want to join the Peace Corps, right? And most people never do it, right? What gave you kind of the motivation to actually do it and and then, you know, start a company from there? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, so I studied politics and I focused a lot on international politics and always felt like the African continent in particular was really painted with this broad brush of, you know, it's really poor, there's a lot of AIDS, there's a lot of conflict. And you're talking about 54 different countries, right? Like you can't paint a, an entire continent with with the same brush. Um, and I just felt like I wanted to know more. And that as you look at, you know, where are, where is a lot of growth in the next decade and century going to come from, I think it's going to come from Africa. Um, and so I was really determined to find a way to get there. So I, you know, applied for a Fulbright, applied for the Peace Corps, applied for kind of any program I could find that could like fund me to go abroad and, and live somewhere on the African continent. And when you started, uh, and you know, you told the story about getting into Moringa and how you you um, started uh, working with the the villages and and getting it to market. Was that difficult? Was it was it a concept that they understood, but they just didn't know how to go about it, or they thought about it? Like, what? How did how did they react when you first approached them? Yeah, I mean, I will make sort of want to emphasize. It has never been throughout Kuligali's journey. We don't kind of approach people and say, do this, you know, do it for us. We find people who are already growing Moringa locally who want to be able to export and who want to sort of scale and, and grow. Um, and so we really see our value as like providing access to the U.S. market, like they're experts in growing Moringa and experts in, you know, sort of their community. And, and we're just more the U.S. arm for them. Um, but we you know, from the beginning found that there were a lot of, there's just a big quality difference in finding, in, in selling stuff that, you know, goes through the US FDA, has to pass all of these regulations, and then ends up on the shelf in Whole Foods. There's just really different food safety regulation in the US than there are in many other countries where we're sourcing from. Um, and so that's been the most 
difficult part is uh, figuring out, you know, how do we, how do we support our supplier partners to hit the quality specs that we need to be able to sell their products in the U.S.? Right, because you probably you probably getting pushed to compromise on the on your you know the village's values and your values on the quality because you know American food is just riddled with chemicals, right? And so so that was probably really challenging to have to go through that process. Yeah, I mean, I think that is definitely true on the like processed food side. For us, it was actually slightly different in the sense that. Um, kind of the way, like the food safety regulation around factory standards and processing standards is a lot higher in the U.S. than it is at like, you know, a village level in Uganda, for example. Um, So we had to kind of partner and bring in some QA experts and, and figure out like, how do we hit the right quality specs consistently? And, and so this woman, this, um, what keeps coming to mind is leadership. So this show is about leadership and women leaders in their communities. Uh, you're obviously a leader in what you do, uh, both in the States and, and in Africa. Um, what are some of the leadership qual- There's probably s- some amazing women leaders in the villages that you are uh, working with. What are some of the qualities that are something that you've picked up from them, that you've learned from them, from the women leaders in those communities? Yeah, uh, so many things. I mean, I think it is it is relatively easy to do what I do. I think it is a lot harder to be a farmer, to be growing crops, to be dependent on, you know, the, are the rains going to come? If the rains don't come, we're not going to get this crop. Um, to also be managing a household many in many of the places we source there's an average of like five or six kids so you're talking about a lot of children um, and there tends to be a lot less uh, equitable split of household tasks shall we say like you know the, the women that we work with really do it all like they they do it all and they do it without help <laughs> um, and you know we we here in America I freak out if our preschool closes for a day but there there is a very <laughs> different um, very different mentality in the places we source from and I think the level of resilience and can do attitude and also really the spirit of community I think that is something that especially if we look at this moment in time where you know America can't even agree on a budget to keep our government running. Like it's <laughs> just the level of political strife um, and, and just like, you know, sort of lack of neighbors knowing each other that we, we see in the U.S. is is really different than when you get to a lot of other parts in the world and, and particularly more rural parts of the world where there's, there's just community is everything. That's great. What would you say, so now in reverse, what would you say the women leaders in those communities uh, really are either fascinated with or they're really interested in in, in uh, women from America or other countries in general? Yeah, I mean, one of the really interesting things that we hear all the time, like whenever we do supplier visits, we bring tons of product because we think it's so important for the people that we're sourcing from to actually see the final production of you know what they're what it looks like on shelf um and they're always blown away they're like really 
they eat this in America? They eat this? Because uh, Moringa for them is, it's like a backyard weed. It's kind of like kale 10 years ago. It's like, ah, you know, I'll eat it if I have to, but it's not like a, you know, it's it's like a poor person's crop in many ways. Um, and so they think it's so fascinating. They're like, oh, Americans are, you know, paying big money and using these fancy packages to buy this product. Um, so it, it's, it's actually a big part of what we try to do and to encourage local use to say like, yeah, it's amazing. You know, Americans are eating it. You should, you should try more in your diet too. Not just when there's nothing else to eat, like a year round, try, try eating Moringa. That's great. I definitely wouldn't recommend they eat American food <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, so for the villages, do the do the like do the kids get to be a part of it at all? And not not like I'm not saying like working, you know, but do they do they teach their children about like the whole process with Moringa and then even again the the business side? Because anytime I've seen any kind of businesses like this, they they carry it forward. They carry, you know, the women teach their daughters and the men teach their sons. Like, are they are they carrying that forward with their with their children as well? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that we see over and over again when we survey a lot of our farmer partners is that, you know, pre prior to Cooley Cooley sourcing Moringa from them, most of them were subsistence farmers and just selling locally. And so often with the extra income that they get from selling Moringa and, and growing it and processing it and exporting it, um, they're able to send girls to school because that tends to be not the first priority. And so we do see a much bigger level of education um, from that extra income, which is huge. Um, and then we also do, we do a lot of supplier community grants. So, you know, this year alone, we'll give away $20,000 uh, in two projects that are supplier led. So our supplier is telling us, here's a need that we see in our community. This is what we want to use it for. And, you know, we say, great, go for it. Send us pictures <laughs> kind of thing. And, you know, at some point we come visit and see the project itself. But many of those projects are often around school feeding and doing kind of nutritional trainings with Moringa and with other ingredients as well, because there's, you know, just a general lack of knowledge. I think we even see this in the U.S. of, of nutrition, like basic nutrition. We, we kind of think, you know, if your belly is full, you're nourished. And that's not the case. So you, you need a variety of nutrients. You need greens. You need, you know, not just overly processed food. And, and so it, in a lot of places that we source from, it's really, really important that kids understand that and are able to get their proper nutrition. And that often starts in school feeding programs. That's great. Yeah, I've always I always had food issues and food allergies and and didn't realize what it was until I was older. Um and I, it was always like I just want to like go to you know, I didn't want to study to be a nutritionist, but I wanted to learn about foods and it's so hard to learn about foods like because the people that are usually teaching it are trying to sell you something always, you know. So it makes it really difficult to have that understanding of what's healthy and what's not. So tell me a little bit about you and how you, you you're running this, you know, <laughs> this huge corporate company, right? This huge enterprise and, and you're bringing a lot of value to, you know, both the U.S. and the, the African communities. Um, what do you do to maintain balance? You, you must be kind of running, you know, full speed all the time. Yeah. Um, well, right now I have a 
eight month old and a three year old. So about it's oh not necessarily happening on all fronts. I think we uh me and my partner talk about we're um we're in a surviving, not necessarily thriving mode sometimes. Just like gotta get through it. Um, but I do really believe that if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else, be that your business, be that your kids, you know, whoever. Um, and so I run almost every morning. I eat a really healthy diet. I get at least eight hours of sleep. I don't compromise on sleep for virtually anything. Um, and I think it is really key. And I think women in particular have a tendency to like put others ahead of themselves and put other people's needs ahead of their own. And I just think we, we gotta, we gotta take self-care first. Um, everything else comes after that. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. We're running out of time, but I'm really curious. What, what sort of um, things from a mental health perspective do you see in the villages that you work in? Like what, I, I mean, they're busy, right? They're running they're, they're you know, they're doing it all. Do they have any kind of practices to, to, you know, balance out their mental health at all? You know, I, so I think the biggest thing I see is just the community and the connection and that being the, the glue that holds everyone together. Like you don't have, you know, anyone like going off into their room and watching TV for hours alone. It's like, you know, even, even in Peace Corps, when I wanted to like get away, I'd have like 10 children knocking on my door, be like, Lisa, 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 go play. Um, and, and I think that from like a mental health perspective, like having such a strong community and, and having a real kind of, you know, expectation that everybody greets each other, everybody asks how each other is and and they sit and they wait for the answer and they actually care to know, um, you know, it, it makes a big difference. That's definitely something we need to get back to for sure. Um, I've always, you know, I used to watch shows of, you know, other countries with my kids and I would, you know, I always say to them, you know, they're so different. And yet what's the same about them? They laugh the same. They smile the same. The kids are playing, you know, it's the community, the family. Um, and, and I think that really, that really, that support system plays such an important role in just balancing life in general. It really does. Yeah. It's, it's everything. So any parting words for anyone who wants to get into the business or learn more about your company um, what would you like to share with the audience before we, we uh, end the interview? I mean, I think anyone looking to start a business, it, it doesn't take an MBA. It doesn't take a ton of knowledge. You know, I we're approaching 10 million in sales. I had never start, even worked in a business before starting my own business. And I think had a lot of self-doubt, but was committed and, and felt like this was something I had to do. And I think if I can do it, you can do it too. I, I think it takes grit. It takes passion. It takes feeling like this is really your purpose and that you're going to give your all. Um, but you can do it no matter what your background is and no matter you know how much money you have in the bank. I started this with $2,000 in my bank account. So um, anything is possible. I love it. Coolie, coolie, coolifoods.com, K-U-L-I-K-U-L-I-F-O-O-D-S. And my email is just Lisa at Coolie Coolie Foods. So happy to help however I can. 
Very good. Well, thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to learning more about uh, your product and uh, the health benefits of Moringa. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.